Go ahead and have a seat. So this Sunday, instead of the regular Easter text that we get in the Gospels, I wanted to take a look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, because not only does it take a look at the fact that, that Jesus has conquered death and has risen from the grave, but it points to the fact that someday we will too. So just like in, in Advent, we get ready for Christmas, but we also remember that Jesus is coming back. So today, this Easter, instead of just remembering what happened in history, we look forward to what will happen in the future. So why are you here today? Now, there's some people who are here today, and they're just incredibly exuberantly excited because it's Easter, and it's like one of the greatest days of the year, if not the greatest day of the year. But some people, in all honesty, came here today, much like Mary Magdalene did when she first approached the tomb full of grief and hurt and loss, just barely putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that she has a very difficult task to do. And maybe, maybe there's some people who came in like Peter and John, who came rushing to the tomb with their hearts just full of a bag of different emotions and anxiety and fear and worry and doubt and trust and faith. Or some of you are here just because mom said you have to come. <laughs> Well, today I don't want this to be any other Sunday. I don't even want this to be any other Easter Sunday. Because resurrection changes everything. I want this to be a Sunday that you allow God to change everything. See, Mary's world was, was dark and sad as she woke up that morning. And then things went from bad to worse as she thought and imagined that somebody had stolen Jesus' body. Have you ever had days like that? Days that just seemed so incredibly dark, out of your control, and the worst things happened. And it, and it just seems like life couldn't get any worse. And then it does. See, all Mary could do in response was just to stand there and weep, completely broken. And maybe you don't completely break down in tears, but, but maybe you deny that there's anything wrong. Or, or maybe you just you work hard to grin and bear it, and you, you fake it till you make it, and, and you just keep pressing forward until the weight just becomes so exhausting and overwhelming. Or maybe you drown your life in alcohol, or eat your emotions, or bury yourself in debt just to get something new. See, the resurrection, it changes everything. In an instant, Mary's life was changed. She changed, traded grief for joy, mourning for excitement, death into life. Today, I propose that the resurrection has the power to change how we face life. The resurrection has the power to change how we face death. And the resurrection has the power to change how we live right now. See, right now, the resurrection changes how we face life. See, our, our bodies are, are mortal are perishable. In fact, if you are in, here's good news, if you are in your 20s or older, you are perishing. You have already started to die. If you've stopped growing, you've started dying. Thank you for that encouraging message, Pastor Ty. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's what happens. An apple that's picked from the tree instantly starts to perish. We were pulled out of our source, our life in the fall, in the Garden of Eden, when, when 
and Adam and Eve first sinned and, and removed from the garden, removed from that face-to-face -face presence of God. And humanity has been perishing ever since. But the resurrection changes how we face life to give us hope despite all of that. Some people come to Easter with maybe a superficial happiness. But do we all feel that same way inside? See, I know that there are people in this room who, who come with fears and worries. I know there are people in this room who have grief and loss. I know there are people in this room that are broken with guilt and shame. In the Bible, the word hope means something like this. It's sure and certain. Proof that we have in the empty cross and the Savior who burst out of the tomb. The fact that we have forgiveness and life. That's not the same as being optimistic. Because I think that, that a Christian has the ability to be correctly pessimistic. And this is why I mean that. Because a Christian, a follower of Jesus, knows that life will be difficult. That, that when bad things happen, they don't surprise the Christian. Bad things happen to Jesus. Jesus told us, even worse things are going to happen to you. A Christian can be pessimistic about life in this world and know that brokenness happens. We expect it to be tough. But we have a hope, a hope that gives us the ability to face the difficulties of this world. And not even just hope, but rejoice, right? Paul says that we can rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope that never disappoints. Hope. See, the resurrection changes how we can face life with hope. It's a life that's real about our problems, but full of real hope. Now, sometimes we try to face our problems with defiance. Defiance is just think that, that I'm going to get in there, I'm going to move ahead, I'm not going to let it get to me. But hope says, it's probably going to get to me. But I have a Savior who's victorious, who is with me. So come on, crosses of this world. Come on, death, bring it on, because there's nothing you can do to take me out of my Father's loving arms. There's nothing you can do to take my Savior's victory away from me. The Savior who shares his victory with me, his power, his glory, his might, he gives to me. So bring it on, world. That's a sure confidence we can have in the, in the empty tomb that revealed that death could not swallow up our Savior, but rather our Savior swallowed up death. So if you're in the middle of a, of a difficult season of life, this is God's encouragement to you to press into this hope that we have in the resurrection, to remember that even when you are walking a confusing, difficult, sorrowful path, there is a purpose. God has need of you where you are. He has called you and put you in that circumstance for a reason, to be his light in the middle of that darkness. And the God of that victory is sharing that victory with you. The resurrection changes how we face life. We face life with hope. 
Paul says the reason he has this hope is because of the defeat of death. The resurrection changes how we face death. Death is not simply the result of normal decay through the human process. Death is the result of sin, the poison of sin that's entered into our lives. So how are we to view that? Death is our defeated enemy, but that's not how most people view death, right? Modern society today says, let's approach death with grace, with dignity, with just a normal process of life. It's natural. Everybody dies. Let's come to grips with that and accept that. Accept that that's a total lie. Death is not natural. You and I, we were not created to die. That's not what God made for us. We were meant to live eternally with him. This death is sin. It's foreign. It's alien. It's not supposed to be here. And Paul, knowing that, mocks it. He mocks death. He shows death no respect at all. And Paul says that if you're a Christian, you show death no respect at all either. If you have the hope that Christ has given you, you can mock death as well. This is a voice of victory that proclaims that death has been stripped of all power, all authority, all influence in a believer's life. It is nothing to be feared. Just a passageway for us to enter into the eternal change that Paul talks about, that awaits us in our own resurrections. Now as a side note, we have nothing to fear in death, but we do mourn when a loved one passes. We mourn, but not like the world does. We mourn with hope how we face life. Mourning with hope means that we can be real about the pain. We can be real about the loss, real about the grief. But we can also be real about the promises of our God. That because of our loved one's faith, they are now being held by the loving arms of the Father. That they are enjoying the fullness of love and hope, and peace, and joy. Jesus said to the cross, on the, the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Our loved ones right now are in paradise, and still waiting, waiting for that day when Jesus returns, and in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be given resurrected bodies. These bodies are, are mortal and perishable. They cannot go into the kingdom of God, the world put right. And so Jesus needs to give us a change to give us bodies that can. And they cannot compare. The bodies we have now cannot compare with the bodies that we'll have someday. Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. It's like when you plant a seed into the ground, it dies so that a plant can come bursting forth out of the ground. Well, maybe not bursting, but slowly growing and maturing out of the ground. My life of recovery was very much the same. A time of change, of healing, of growth. And, and I have to confess that my, my greatest joy in my recovery journey has not been sobriety. It's been the change that God has made in me. The grace that he's come to let me know the change in my words, the change in my behaviors, the change in my attitude towards him and other people. Discipleship is very similar to that, right? It's a, it's a lifelong process of growing, of developing, of letting God kind of rough, take our rough edges off and, and, and make us into the more of the image of Christ. Now, both my recovery and discipleship, these are lifelong journeys that we're on. They don't happen in the twinkling of an eye, but this resurrection that will occur will be instantaneous, in its fullness. We don't have to grow into it. 
We get all of it immediately. Now, it's, it's really hard for me to fathom what that experience would feel like, but I, I think I have a picture, at least in my head, that works. That, that concept of every ounce of sin, every impact of sin, every cramp, every soreness, every worry, every fear, all the bad things that I do, drawn out of my body. I love the heat, right? I do not like winter, but I love the heat, and I love... I love uh, that experience of mowing the lawn on the hottest day of the year. And then I used to think this was the greatest thing. After you mow the lawn, hot, radiating off my body, drinking an ice-cold beverage of your choice, and just feeling the coolness, right? You can feel the temperature in your esophagus. It's so cold. Until I got a pool. Oh, baby. Game changer, right? So just heat radiating out of my body, to, to, to plunge into the cool waters of the pool. It's not so much that I feel the coolness soak into me. It's that I feel the heat in my body being drawn out into the water around me. The heat from my head being drawn out. That's kind of how I envision sin in this resurrection moment. That instantaneous change. That sin is just pulled out of us. How liberating will that feel? It'll be gorgeous. But as it is, we can't enter into that fullness of that kingdom with these bodies. We need to be changed. No more consequence of sin. No more consequence of age or disease or death. But this impacts more than just our eternity. right? The resurrection changes how we face death. We face death as a defeated enemy. But it also impacts how we face, how we engage in life today. It changes how we live now. If death is our defeated enemy, then every day we need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We need to put on the full armor of God. We need to immerse ourselves in the pool of God's word and let it soak and saturate our souls. We need to, to, to be and banded together with other believers so that iron can sharpen iron and we become molded into the men and women God desires for us to be. We need to remember that God has need of us. God has need of you right where you are, right where he's put you. He has a need for you and a purpose for you in whatever it is that you're experiencing today. We need to intentionally look for ways to serve and love our God by serving and love those who are vulnerable. Just glancing at the news of your favorite news source, you'll see evidence of this broken, sin-sick world. The violence, the disease, the deception, the hungry, the poor, the vulnerable. And humanity makes the media's job easy. We give them a steady diet of things to report back. And all of this evil that's in the world, God despises it. He hates it. It's not the way he meant it to be. And God deals with it. But he, he doesn't deal with it with violence. He deals with it with sacrifice. Jesus died to redeem this world, to heal this world. Jesus rose to lead the way to the kingdom of God, the world put right. Now, if you are called to follow Jesus, then you are also called to heal the world as well. Not with anger, not with violence, not with angry social media tweets, but with love. To seek the vulnerable around you. The physically vulnerable need your care and healing. The emotionally vulnerable, they need your understanding and compassion. 
the spiritually vulnerable need your faithful and solid witness. Jesus died to heal the world. And if you follow Jesus, then you will want to heal the world too. See, the resurrection changes how we live now. We live to bring healing to others. The resurrection changes how we face life. The resurrection changes how we face death. And the resurrection changes how we live now because the resurrection changes everything. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Let's do that one more time. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.